Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Well, are you not still on a massive high from our amazing day together yesterday? I am. I am on a massive high, but I've got to say, I've got, say my, I've got my silk turban on. I've got my pyjamas on. <laughs> I'm Have really, you out? it's quite late and I would like to be asleep. Oh, Georgia. Every, you know that I everything love before, you. I no, no, love but hold you. Hold on, hold on. Well, let's just clear this up because everything before but we know is bullshit. So what you're basically saying is... <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? We had such a lovely day today um, and and it was so nice to actually see you in real life. There yeah. was a moment where you looked into the whites of my eyes when we saw each other and I thought, is she going to blow me out for a hug here or is she going in balls deep? And you went in for it. So I was happy about that. No, maybe I've come, come over all soft in 2022. Um, yeah, I'm loving a hug. It was lovely. No, it, it was, was lovely, really nice. It? And do you know what? Normally when we meet up, we like have so much that we need to do. And today we probably should have been doing more than we were but it was nice to just have like a mooch around the shops and a yeah. chat and lunch and it <laughs> just happened to be out sunny. Like we did nothing <laughs> no we did do <laughs> we did do some work but we did manage to actually have like chats and a nice time around it so yeah no no we did well lovely. we did well I'm just gutted because I'm well I'm not gutted because I'm on drive time but I am I'm over the moon that I'm on drive time but I'm gutted because it means I miss bedtime and Aww. I don't know about you George but it doesn't matter what I do with my day as long as I can get through that door and make sure that I have you know all the cuddles and all the kisses and smell them then I feel yeah. like I'm okay so I basically just got home and I um I crept into the bedrooms and did that weird creepy Aww. mum thing where you stare at them when they're asleep but I to be know. honest with you they do that to me do they so, oh in the Mornings. <laughs> oh, fucking right. In the mornings, middle of the night, they're always creeping around my bed. So I tell you what, Gigi walked through the door today until eight o'clock. Eight PM. Yeah, because she'd been staying with um James's mum and dad. Like she stayed oh, there yes. last night. And Axel had been asleep since like five past six. <laughs> <laughs> You and I are the same. We like actual, the actual. Every time she's actual as well, it sounds like asshole, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> so she's like, "Where's the asshole?" Basically. <laughs> oh god, oh, having delirious. kids is fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. delirious. Let's get on with it. Do you know what? We need to get into it because we are delirious. We haven't been drinking, and this week's chat is absolutely phenomenal with a complete and utter legend. I feel she needs no introduction, but Georgia, go on, do it anyway. Today, we are chatting to Paula Radcliffe. 
so joining us on today's podcast I really really hope that I don't get any of this intro wrong because for me and George (laughs) this lady is a bit of a heroine to us okay here we go a former British long distance runner she is a three-time winner of the London Marathon uh three-time winner of the New York Marathon Still okay so far. Uh, Chicago <laughs> Marathon winner. Uh, she was previously the fastest female marathon uh, runner of all time. She is also MBE. Uh, she is mum to Isla and Raphael. Today's guest. What a legend this lady is. It's Paula Radcliffe. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. How are you, Paula? <laughs> I am very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're all good. We're, we're good. really excited. Really excited about this. I mean, Zoe is definitely more into her speed running than I am I say I I do a jolk which is like um, a mixture between walking and jogging <laughs> and talking <laughs> and talking yeah and exactly talking. we're both really excited Paula are you still into your running like do you love putting on your trainers now and putting on your lycra and heading off out and hitting the pavement uh yeah I don't really hit the pavement so much I, I do a lot of trail running now um I just enjoy I'm lucky that I live in an area I can get off-road fairly quickly and I kind of like exploring I'm not particularly interested in seeing how much slower I am running for miles on the road um but I do really enjoy and probably need that time out running for me as well I think to, just to clear my head and to set myself up for the day ahead and just to think things through if I've got to write something down or prepare a talk then I, it helps me to go for a run first I feel like I'm a bit more creative a bit more thoughtful afterwards yeah and I, I feel like it's important to start this podcast because you might be a bit nervous about chatting to us you know you're a marathon runner but I was the <laughs> 800 meter under 14 champion okay so you're a champion I'm a champion just to put you at ease today Brilliant. Yeah, thank you. That's that. <laughs> oh, that so funny. And I'm not a champion at all. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that I'm with two champions now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make you feel better, George. <laughs> Paula, before we, we get into kind of talking to you about your your projects, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, life as a mum. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've obviously got two. You've got Isla and Raphael, uh, you know, Isla, teenager, Raphael heading in that direction. So yeah. what is it like having, you know, slightly older kids to us? Yeah, I mean, every stage of the kids feels really special when you're in it. And there are also challenges when you're in it. And I think they they change and they evolve as, as they get older. So you kind of think it's going to get a lot easier. And then you get to teenage meltdowns and total irrational behavior um, and trying to manage that and kind of walk that balancing line, I guess, of just not over-disciplining, but disciplining enough. And Mm. I guess my biggest goal is just trying to make sure that they turn out into decent human beings, which sometimes can feel like they are to everybody but you. Yeah. Um, but that kind of has to feel a little bit, I guess, like winning and you just got to work on how they treat you. Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel like, you know, are you through the woods in terms of like when you're in the newborn bubble that you're constantly worrying about everything or do the worries just get bigger as they get older? I think the worries, are, they, again, they get different um, and you have a lot less control over them. Um, things that worry you when when they're very small, it's kind of easy to, to get on top of that and to keep them in your sight the whole time. I think one of the things you have to accept and that's where I'm lucky in that I guess mine are growing up in a kind of a bit of a bubble here in Monaco in that it is safe even for my 11 year old to go off on his scooter and and to go off um, around and kind of have that freedom but in a little bit of a protected and and more sheltered way Mm. Um, so you kind of yeah you have to learn to let go and I think what's helped me is really 
drumming into then, okay, if you change locations, that's allowed, but you need to tell me. Yes. So I need to know where you are at any time um, and being able to have things and, and tabs on them without them feeling like they're controlled it kind of gives them a bit of independence so he has an air tag in his um wallet at all times wow. um so i can watch him on that and he also has his explorer watch um which means that even if he's scooting and he's not got his phone to hand it's going to ring on his wrist so he knows to answer it and he knows to tell me where he is if I'm looking for him that's amazing that's that's nice because they feel like they've as you said they've got their own level of independence and they can do their own thing without thinking well mum and dad are watching over me the whole time but actually you kind of are as well so yeah if I need wins. to be yeah, I, I can, can but it's kind yeah. of you can you can develop that trust as well and mm-hmm. kind of say okay well he's moved now and he hasn't told me he's moved so mm-hmm. then we have to have that conversation about yeah. Why are you moved without telling me? <laughs> Do you sit there for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you see him moving and you're thinking, oh God, he's not told me yet. How long am I going to leave it? That's why I'd be sitting there thinking. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a bit mean. So I will actually just call them and say, okay, I'm at where you told me you were going to be and you're not here. So where are you? Because I'm now really worried and I've got the police out looking for you. Um, and they like, oh my God, I didn't have a signal. I couldn't call you then because I didn't have a signal. <laughs> that is, that's, that's like mean girls behavior. I quite enjoy that. Um, and, and talking of worries uh, on a really serious level, you've had pretty much one of the biggest worries that any parent can go through when mm-hmm. um, Isla, your 14 year old in 2020, um, was complaining of pain, um, you know, on the trampoline, various other places, problems with her periods. And you discovered that she had a tumor on was it one of her ovaries. So just talk, talk, yeah. us, through, talk us through that journey for you guys. Um, so it happened really through kind of the, the summer of, of getting back to normal, um, after the pandemic. Um, so in through July, the kids had bought a trampoline, um, at the start of lockdown. So in March with their pocket money, they pulled it together and it was a really great investment because through all of the homeschooling, if they needed to just get out in the garden and burn off some energy, burn off some frustration, they could go out and do that. And so she started to say in July that um, she, it was hurting her bladder and it felt like she needed to pee all the time. Um, and I think then, I mean, it's one of the things I feel guilty about now, but it, I immediately thought pelvic floor exercises um, uh, and just kind of had she, was she drinking enough? Was she not hydrated enough? Mm. It never really came into, into my mind that it could be something uh, more difficult than that mm. at what moment did you you know I think we all do this don't we we don't we don't automatically go to the worst case scenario we just think yeah oh yeah it's okay like you say like maybe it's pelvic floor maybe she's dehydrated at what point did you think no this isn't right and we need to go and see somebody uh, I think it was uh, it was a culmination of lots of things coming together so there were pretty bad mood swings as well, um, which to begin with, I kind of just put down to a typical teenager. Yeah. Um, and then really painful periods, uh, which I'd never had. Um, and again, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law had, so I just kind of thought, well, maybe that's from the other side of, of the family. Um, but it was when she started to get the kind of breakthrough bleeding all the time and her period would come and then it would go away for a week and then come back again. That for me definitely wasn't normal, even though some people say that it does happen when, when girls can start the period. So I just thought right at that point, okay, I need to go to the pediatrician. Um, and then when we went to the pediatrician and she examined her, she could feel the mass. 
um, wow. on palpitation. And when I said to Isla, have you felt that? And she said, well, yeah, but I was worried it was just that I was getting fat. So I'd started to do a lot of different um, stuff in the gym and ab stuff. And, and she hadn't told me. And it wasn't noticeable kind of standing up in a swimsuit. Um, so I did feel really bad as well that she hadn't discussed that with me having said that the the pediatrician was amazing we were in for an ultrasound scan the next day that afternoon we were already at the children's hospital in Nice um, and they ran a whole barrage of tests and sent us home with an appointment the next day at the pediatric um, hemo-oncology department which already kind of then sets alarm bells ringing Um, I was trying not to Google lots of things overnight. Um, but obviously I was kind of looking at worst case scenarios, any case scenarios and kind of trying to take advice. I'm, I'm lucky as well. My sister-in-law is a, a GP. Um, and I've got some friends that I can trust to, okay, go away and look at it. Cause I don't want to know the worst case at this stage. I'll find out for tomorrow, but I do need to be prepared for kind of. So when I get the answer tomorrow, what do we do from there? Um, and so that I was really lucky to have those friends that were able to do that. And then when we went back the next day, the oncology department were amazing um, in Lache in Nice and immediately reassured me, explained to her in really teenage comprehensible vocabulary what was going to happen. And she was so strong and, and so tough. I mean, it never entered her head these serious, scary things that are associated with cancer that I think would would come into the heads of, of ours um, and of adults. Uh, and it was only much, much later when she was actually chatting with Gemma Hillier Moses, who um, we do some work with on some of the training camps, and she started Move Against Cancer um, charity. Um, and she was talking, and she said the first thing that came into her head when she was told was, am I going to die? Whereas Isla's was, am I going to lose my hair? Because... Right she never it never registered with her that she wouldn't beat it it was just what do i have to do to to beat it do you think that um, was a blessing yeah it, i think it, it was it, a blessing. she she mm. said afterwards does that make me really callous i said no because it didn't enter your head as a possibility mm. um and that made you stronger and it was also huge thanks i think to the way in which she was informed by the team from the beginning okay this is not something anything that you've eaten and that was really important for me this is nothing that you've fed her this is nothing to do with where you live this is nothing to do with living close to a 5g mast or anything like that this is a cell that was in her body from the minute that she was conceived and it's a rogue cell and it's triggered by puberty right and so they explained it all really really well and that it's completely different from ovarian cancer in adults it's called a malignant germ cell tumor and so basically that germ cell is there and it's growing very, very slowly and then it's hugely triggered by puberty. So it just starts growing very, very quickly. And that's why if we look back on it, she started her periods or she may not have started her periods in the March uh, of 2020. Um, and that certainly accelerated that, but whether that was already bleeding from the tumour or the periods, they couldn't really answer. Um, um, but they tried to answer those questions and, and she was really worried about not being able to have children later on. Yeah. Um, and they said, well, we can't guarantee it, but there's no reason that your other ovary should be affected. Um, and lots of people go through life functioning with, with yeah, one ovary with they one just ovary. don't know that only one ovary is functioning yeah. um so they were really good about explaining things like that and we talked about it and we said okay there's that that's not 
priority right now. Priority right now is getting better. And then afterwards, down the road, we find out about that and we deal with it when we get to that moment. For anybody listening, Paula, that's been, you know, that parent that's about to walk into, you know, the the the, 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 the doctor's room and waiting for that result. Um, what was that reality like for you guys, for both of you? Um, I think it was it was very different for us because we were in a pandemic as well. Um, so Gary couldn't come to the hospital for that appointment. He had to wait at home, which was extremely hard on him. Um, she was brought into the, for the original consultation. The doctor examined her. She obviously had all the test results and everything there. Um, and then she sent her out again while she told me. Um, and so she then immediately went into the waiting room and phoned her dad and said, it must be really bad because they're telling mom before they tell me. So I'm not sure that was handled in the best way. But on the other hand, it was because I was able to break down for the shock to hit me and to ask those questions and to kind of get in control of what I was going to be like when she came in back into the room. And of course she could tell that I was upset, but I was in control by the time she came back in. So we were able to kind of from all sides, from the doctor's side and from my side, reassure her that this is not nice. It's not great, but we're going to get through it and we've got a plan and they've got a plan that's worked on a lot of people before. So I think that's key, having that team around you and being happy with that team around you and trusting in them because it is it is a journey. Um, ours was, I guess, relatively brief compared to, to what other parents go through. Um, but you need to know that you're happy in the team and you're happy with the plan for that journey because um, if you're not, I think you then you need to kind of make sure that you are uh, and put things in place. And then the other thing I would say is absolutely put that support team around you, friends and family, um, because you're going to need them for lots of things. Having a second child as well, yeah. I had to try and make sure that he wasn't missing out in any way because naturally the main focus was on getting his sister through that, but I wanted to make sure that he was fully supported. So having friends that were able to to do that, to make sure that he had someone to go over his homework with him if I wasn't there, um, that he could go and stay and sleep over at friends if we were involved um, with Isla, um, just things like that, just making sure that he had someone he could talk to and he knew at any time. If he came to me and said, okay, mum, I really need you right now, then that was really important, but it had to be something important. You could be there. And from the moment that you found out the diagnosis and throughout, how did you hold it together as parents? Were there times where, you know, you sat together and did you ever break down in front of the children? Yeah, I mean, I think not not in front of, uh, of Raphael, but I think... Isla, she didn't see me completely break down, but she saw me just after I'd been told the news. So I think it was impossible to hide that I wasn't upset. She was going to be upset. So I tried not to to hide it, um, but just to talk about what we were going to do to to get through it and to to reassure her. And also there's times as a parent when you, because they're going through something scary and they're getting their body pumped full of chemotherapy which isn't nice and it's not easy and she certainly has a tendency when she's tired uh, and when she's not feeling great to kind of lash out and so I also had to step in and say okay that's not acceptable you can do that to me you cannot do that to the nurses you still have to be polite to them and you still have to treat them with respect Um, and she was very quick to take that on board but yeah it's there's kind of it doesn't feel nice that you're kind of forcing her to get out of bed and get dressed and and kind of be polite to people when she's not feeling like it but 
it yeah. does help her to kind of put some more normality back into the day. It was also tough for her because she couldn't have friends um, around unless they were in a mask and on the other side of the room um, because of the affected immune system. So I think those things to, to deal with are hard. It's not like kind of, I guess, ordinarily we would have been able to take her out for treats in the off time between chemo stays. Yeah. Um, and those had to also be really managed to make sure that they were safe. So sometimes she would want to go out to eat with her friends and we had to work out what was the safest way that she could do that because her white blood cell count was low. I mean, again, luckily it was kind of through the warmer months, she could go and eat outside with them and we could kind of set that up. Yeah. And so I'm guessing from, you know, the, the the chats that we're having now about about chemo, that, that was the plan. Did they sit down with you and tell you, you know, how long she would have to have chemo for, how many rounds, what the result would be? Because you said, yeah. it, you know, obviously diagnosis horrendous, but seems to be quite a positive plan of action, I guess. Yeah, they did. So they sat down with us and they talked to us about how um, chemo had very good results with this type of um, cancer and that we would see the tumour reducing in size. And that was the plan that she would have three rounds uh, of chemo. So it's, um, it was three types of, of chemo drug. It was, um, oh my God, cisplatin, bleomycin, etoposide. Um, and so the, those three... and. Two of them were kind of every day over five days and the other one was on the first day of the week for three weeks. So she would have to go back in as an outpatient um, for each of those, for the second two of those. Um, and then the rest of the time she would be in hospital for like a, a seven-day stay. So we would come in and she would be constantly hooked up to a drip um, and that would be delivering the the chemo drugs for the times that, that I think one took about two hours and then there was a bit of a break and then another one took a half an hour and then the other one that was every three weeks I think only took about 10-15 minutes but then they would keep her on all the time the hydration drip to make sure that it was getting flushed through because I guess that's the big thing that I didn't really fully understand about chemo before is that it needs to get flushed out of the body as quickly as possible once it's kind of done its work. What, so in and out, basically? Yeah, so they, it's really important that they stay very well hydrated. Um, so what they did for her was they just kept her in that entire... So we would be in for five days on the chemo treatment and then another full 24 hours of saline drip, just trying to, to flush it all out of her so that when she went home, it had kind of majority-wise cleared her system and then we had to be really careful of how we disposed of it um, and they were also running checks on the urine. What was the aftermath of those stints in hospital with the chemo? Um, what was she What was she like in herself? What was her appetite like? What foods did she like to eat when she got home? That kind of thing. When she got home she was kind of pretty much back to normal. It was while we were in the hospital that was really tough because while she was on the chemo that did really affect what she felt like eating, what she felt like she could eat. So the first day, um, I'd kind of gone in with all of what I thought were her favorite foods packed in a little bag. I knew there would be a microwave that I could use there. And she just didn't really want to eat anything. And she was eating little bits uh, of, of rice, plain rice with lemon juice on. And that was about all that she would have. Mm -hmm. And then it got to about the fourth day. 
and my friend was on the phone and she said to her, do you think she could eat um, a homemade pizza? And I said, well, do you think you can eat homemade pizza? And she was like, I can if it's Aida's. So she made one and she drove it over to Nice oh, uh, wow. and she brought it in and she wasn't allowed to go into the hospital room. So I took it into the hospital room and then went out to chat to her. And then Isla sent me a message saying, thank you so much. I've eaten the whole thing. Oh, and you wow. cannot imagine how happy that made me and yeah. how grateful I was to my friend to see that her eating um, and eating well because obviously the hydration I didn't need to worry about because she was on the drip the whole time yeah. um, but the, I did feel that certainly I think from everything that I've learned through running nutrition is really important to helping the body fight things and so it really worried me that she couldn't um, eat so once she was able to eat and then the the following times we kind of went through different cycles lemon juice was a big thing so she could eat plain rice with lemon juice on, with salmon and lemon juice. Lemon juice really helped her to, wow. to be able to, to eat things. Um, mashed potato and gravy was another one. Oh, well, that's everyone's <laughs> favourite. I, mean, I love yeah. that. We'll be right back after this short break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? You mentioned that, you know, it's really important to have a support network around you. But how were Isla's friends um, during that period? Because I could imagine as a 14-year-old, it must be hard to know what to say, what to do, how to support a friend that's going through something like that. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, and it's it's really important. I think that the, the friends also tailor it to the individual because some people want to be contacted all the time. Isla was more like she needed to know that her friends were there and when she came out she could see them but also that her friends friends wouldn't be annoyed with her and upset if she said you know what I'm too tired today uh, I can't do it I can't um do the FaceTime from the hospital because I basically I mean she had like a big fleece hoodie thing and she basically just hid in her bed the whole time that she was in hospital um and she didn't want to um, FaceTime anybody or see anybody in there, but she wanted to be able to send messages um, and to chat with them. So I think it is really having those friends that you can 
say what you what you need from them and also being able to be that secure that you can say to them, okay, I'm going to be grumpy and I'm going to not want to speak to you on these days. So then if you want to check up on me, then just go via my mom. Uh, and that's one thing that I found really helpful as well is the parents um, and the mum support group chat. So I didn't have to send 50 messages out every day with updates. I could just send one message on the group. Um, and then that would kind of get spread from there. So I knew that support was there if I needed the help. Um, so I had one that was for Raphael's um, support group outside of the hospital. So if I needed something to check up on him while I was in hospital uh, and Gary couldn't do that. Uh, and then the other one was for people who supported me. So if I needed to say, okay, I need to speak to someone now. So I need to go into the parents' room and just have a cry and have a talk to somebody and not be not have her in earshot. Wow. What, what was life like for you and Gary during this period as a couple? Because, you know, this is go this is such a huge monumental thing to happen to you guys as a family so I guess you know uh, how did he cope with it and how did you guys kind of maybe even have a little escape from it just the just the two of you if if that was possible we're very different in the way that we cope with it Mm. and looking back perhaps it was good that only one person was allowed to stay in the hospital um, because I don't know if he could have seen his little girl go through that Mm. um I think on that side, perhaps it's slightly easier for the mom to be able to to do that. Um, and he could come in during the day and visit and be the kind of fun pick me up. And he didn't have to see how drained she was when he left. Um, so he could see that he'd made her smile and that made him feel yeah. better um, and go back home. And then she would be completely wiped after she'd done that because it was good. And he kind of lifted her spirits, but it also used energy uh, and she was running low on that energy. Yeah, and I guess we all have different strengths as parents, don't we? And I guess you guys yeah. worked as a team and you played to your strengths. And if he was the one who could come in and lift her spirits, then that's incredible. Yeah, and then he could also make sure that he was there for, for Raphael and looking after him the whole time. So I didn't need to, to worry about that. And I think talking about things, he could be better, um, but he always is a good sounding board for me. So he doesn't particularly like to open up about his emotions, but I do. Mm. And he doesn't kind of shy away from that he will just call a lot and listen to me uh, and yeah sometimes say oh just you are being stupid or um don't worry it's going to be fine I'll sort that bit out so so that really helped I think that he was able to manage those things and how is Isla tell us how she is now and tell us how that I guess how it sort of has played out over the last 12 months she's doing really well so we just had the um I think I guess it was the first one of the second year of, of three month checkups. So she'll have checkups every three months um, for the first two years and then every six months for the next two years, so for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's always reassuring. She always gets a little bit worried. Uh, we go in and we do blood tests and we do um, an MRI and then they alternately do tests on her hearing because that can be affected by one of the chemo drugs mm-hmm. and tests on her lungs. Um, and so her lungs have haven't been affected touch wood um and probably hopefully won't be now and the hearing was initially affected but seemed to pick up this last checkup so that was good news great um and the other good news is that with the type of cancer that she has there is a a clear marker in the blood so it's alpha theta proteins and um it needs to be less than 10 normally and hers was 73 and a half thousand uh in the beginning which enabled the diagnosis which is why there was really no question this is the diagnosis we can see the tumor and we can see this so there is no other um diagnosis for that but it's also really 
good for us to see. So this last time it hers was four and the time before that oh, it was six amazing. and then before that was two. So now that's really good because we could see immediately before any tumour mm. started to grow if that was happening um, again. And so that's reassuring, I think, for her to be able to do. So even though she goes through that cycle of worrying about it to get that news, um, it is reassuring for her and it's reassuring for me. Oh, I bet it is for you guys, you know, as parents yeah. to see that and just think, well, this is, yeah, that we're on we're on the road to recovery. This is yeah. amazing. Uh, is she back um, kind of exercising? Are you guys running together? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, been the tough thing, I think, for any... 14 year old girl and it's one of the things that has kind of pushed me to really get behind Rumfest Run and to get behind Families on Track and everything like that is I think we really haven't seen the full extent of the lockdown and the pandemic on kids activity levels yet and particularly on that girls 13 to 16 years old because once they stop sport to get back into it, it's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and so we're seeing that it stopped for a different reason, not because of the pandemic, but because of the treatment. And she's been able to, to get back into hockey and she's kind of, she wants to get back into running, but it's A, finding the time in the week and B, the confidence because she was very good. I mean, even February before she was diagnosed, she'd won the regional um, PACA region of France uh, cross-country championships. Oh, wow. um, and so she's very scared that she's not going to be at the level that she was because her yeah. body has changed a little bit and her mm-hmm. fitness level certainly dropped off. So it's she really needs time to be able to um, build back in at her own speed and on her own before she joins in with a group but she doesn't have that time because she's in the French education system as well and she's doing her brevet this year um, which is actually quite hard plus she Mm. missed the first trimester of year one of that so she's still trying to catch up academically Um, so I think yeah it's hard I think we've got to be patient and it is being flexible because I would really love her to be more active and to get more into that but there's a limit to how much I can push her at this stage because she has a lot on her plate um, and it kind of is baby steps and at least she is back playing hockey um, and she's enjoying that and that is a team atmosphere. That's brilliant. You mentioned that in general girls, you know, once they fall out of exercise, especially between the ages of 13 and 16, did you say, it's really hard to Mm -hmm. get back into it. Why do we think that girls drop out of exercise? I mean, talking to me, like I, I know I've, think I used to write myself notes for PE like every single week to try and get out of it I had my period I had this I had Georgia. that I did I had it <laughs> Dr Dayton in the house she can't possibly do PE today it was like everybody did it all of my friends were just trying to get out of PE and I don't I can't even think why what what is the reason why do so many girls hate doing PE in sport when they're teenagers a little bit of peer influence so if one person starts doing it and they're the cool girl then that kind of spills over and that's one of the reasons I think all the different sports need to really work hard to make sport Mm. cool Um, and making the gym kit that you wear at school much better I mean it's already 100 times better than it was when I was a kid growing up um but back then, I mean, air tech stuff and a gym skirt wasn't really what you wanted to, to change no. into yeah. um, to do sport, even if you liked sport. So if you didn't like sport, that was really a kind of a bit of a, a game changer. Not being able to shower and stuff afterwards doesn't really help girls either. It's that age when girls' body is changing and yeah. their self-confidence is changing. Um, and so it's kind of making sure that they do really understand that and are able to to work with it and embrace it. And there are so many different reasons. And I think, yeah, there are other avenues um, for for girls to focus on yeah. um, 
Whereas with the boys, it kind of does still stay cool to hang out with your mates and kick a football around. Um, And it isn't always that for girls. It's starting to get better, I think. I mean, I I know through lockdown, Isla was joining up with a lot of our friends for actually Zoom core classes and Zoom yoga classes. Um, So that actually did help give them something to do during during the day. And so, yeah, I think it is just putting those things in place and and kind of, yeah, role models within sport. The media reporting of women's sport isn't the same level in in a lot of sports. It is in athletics, but it's not in in other sports like football, for example. So that could maybe help to to give those girls more role models for the sports that they're interested in. Mm. Yeah. Also, I look back at my time at school and I think I hopefully things have changed a lot now, like we said, Paula, but you know, if you weren't playing for the A team, there was a bit of like a, oh, well, you know, probably just sit this one out or don't worry about it. There wasn't that motivation necessarily to just enjoy it for, you know, for, yeah, just for playing for sport, enjoyment. just really yeah. enjoy it. And I, I'm, I'm hoping now my my, uh, my stepdaughter, who's eight, you know, netball, she's in the seas, but for example, swimming, she's in the swim squad. Um, but she's, she's enjoying all of it because they are celebrating all of her, regardless of whether she's the best, you know, or the second or the third or for whatever. She's just enjoying that moment of being active. And I think when we were at school, it wasn't necessarily the same as that. Like if you weren't the best, you weren't really... There's no, point. Yeah. there's no point yeah 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 it's a, there's the two two schools to it isn't there there's, there's elite sport and then there's sport for health and sport for general well-being um and i think it, it is really important that the the schools provide the health and general well-being and all of the life lessons that we can learn from sport like working mm. as a team yeah. knowing your own body um the well-being and mental well-being side of it and act as a a pathway to the more elite sports. So they kind of just funnel people on to the sports clubs if they want to take it to that next level, but not make it too intimidating in schools because it is something that everybody needs to be doing at that level. And and just quickly, um, I I really want to ask you this just for a personal thing. I love running, obviously, and me and the kids kind of very active out in the garden and stuff. But the other day we accidentally went on a run together, me and my two little ones who are five and three. I thought we were just going to go for a walk and then Luna was like, oh, why don't we just run around the rest of it? And then before I knew it, we were all having this like family run together. Probably, you know, maybe about 0.5 of a mile that we ran back and they loved it. Is mm-hmm. is three too young? I mean, how old should you kind of start running no, with your kids? When it's like that and it's just having fun, three's the perfect okay. age to be running around. Um, I mean, that's what we're, we're trying to, I guess that's the age group we're trying to hit with the families on track events. Nice. Um, so that came about because... Isla and I ran a relay and she ran 3K, I ran 7K for a 10K relay. And then she finished and she said, but why don't we make that more fun so that everyone can do that? So I started thinking about an Ekidin type thing. And then I thought, well, you can't just abandon kids along the route somewhere. Um, So I worked with Steve Cramer and with um, the Events of the North team and they helped me bring families on track to life. So it's basically um, through a family changeover zone where you decorate your own pen as a team. It's actually really COVID friendly. Um, And the team's in there. And then you have loops of 250 meter loop, 500 meter loop and a 1K loop. And you make your 10K up how you like. It's not particularly a race. It doesn't really matter how fast you cover that 10K, but it does matter that the whole family achieves it together and that everybody gets to run. And so to see those little kids racing around 250 meters and then yelling at dad while he's trying to run around a K, it it, (laughs) it is really good. And you get the kind of the whole range of, of people coming up to you afterwards from parents that are keen runners and have not been able to get their kids interested in sport 
to the opposite end of the spectrum, the kids and their parents have not run since school and they've actually got out uh, and run around. Uh, and so that's the aim is to Brilliant. make people see it as a way of having some quality family time together, yeah. having fun. Um, it's not necessarily training and it's not necessarily competitive, although you will always make it competitive even amongst the family. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I yeah. guess it's something for all ages. You know, if you've got really young children or you've got teenagers, it's something that you can get involved with. You mentioned earlier Rum Fest Run. Can you mm-hmm. just tell us a little bit about that? She sounds incredible, like a great few days. Yeah, George, we're going. <laughs> yeah, I, I do <laughs> yeah, you want to go. <laughs> you really have to come. Um, it, it is. Uh, it's an amazing um, weekend of fun, basically. It's kind of uh, built on the model uh, of Carfest, um, developed for runners. So you've got running for everyone, basically. You've got the fun run, the bug f- um big bug family run uh, and the two and a half K, five K, 10 K half marathon. So if you're a serious runner, you can do all of it. Um, we're divided into teams. So we've got the butterfly team of which I'm, I'm the captain and uh, Steve is captain of the bees um, Colin of the dragonflies. Uh, and then we also have the ladybird team, which was Chris Evans and Tash Evans. Yeah. Um, uh, and they are the team captains uh, we are the team captains and every run that you do adds up points for that and then the finale is kind of the the big bug big bug fun run and you go and you collect we have in previous years i'm not sure even what the surprise format will be this year um but you collect the pollen in different ways and then that adds up to a winning team at the end of it but it's kind of all in in good fun because we're all winning really because we're all there having uh, a friendly family weekend there's lots of great entertainment we've got top loader we've got sophie ellis bexter oh she knows how to put a disco on doesn't she i love her yes definitely and get involved with the family as well so it's just a really good there's lots of really healthy food there's lots of really also feels like unhealthy food but probably is a little bit healthy when you're doing that much running over the weekend Um, and it's just a chance to to be in a safe environment with the kids as well which I think is important for parents and to have that fun and this year uh, as well I think we're going to have a night run which is really good fun so it's in the grounds of Englefield House in Berkshire um, between the 20th and the 22nd so we kind of all arrive on the Friday afternoon it kicks off um, and then there's entertainment on the big stage Friday night and Saturday night and through the day on Sunday um, and just lots of different activities to, to get involved in and just to try out. Okay, and before um, before we say goodbye to you, because we know you're a very busy lady, we love to ask our guests um, the best piece of advice that they've ever been given or the piece of advice that they would give a new parent. Before I had Isla, I um, read lots of books and I really worried about what I would do. Um, and then I actually realised that the best thing to do is trust your instincts. Um, and that's what my mum kept saying to me. She said, look, you will know. And if you don't know, you'll figure it out quickly. Um, and so she said, just don't expect to go in knowing everything. And sometimes you just have to go with your gut feel. And if you get it wrong, go with the second gut feel. So I think not be too hard on yourself and, and be flexible with it. And also embrace the, the, the feel good part of it. Um, from the moment that baby comes out and they're okay and they're healthy, something inside of you changes. And, and so enjoy that. Enjoy that. For me, that was, 
really precious first four or five days when I was in the hospital and it was just me and the baby and just mm. getting to know them and getting to learn what the different cries mean um, and just spending that time there and so yeah just just trusting your instinct and yeah sometimes it will feel like it's all getting on top of you and then some great advice that I was given by a friend of mine who had four kids at that stage was like you know sometimes it is okay to make sure that they're safe in their cot and then just go and make yourself a cup of tea calm oh, yeah. down have yeah. a think and go back there'll be no harm happens to them and you get calmer <laughs> and you mentioned a few products earlier like the geo tag and that kind of stuff what products do you swear by for teenagers um okay for teenagers i think the explorer um x5 watch that my son has where you actually put a sim card in it it's kind of aimed for um, probably six seven year olds up to 11 year olds um because you control that on your phone um and you can put in 10 numbers and they can only receive calls from those 10 people and they can only make calls to 10 people you can turn on school mode so they can wear it in school you can track where they are but they can't make any calls or receive any calls on it while they're in school but the minute they come out of school that school mode clicks off so then you can call them and, and find out where they are and it also tracks activity so they win points for how many steps they've done and then at the end of the week they can go to the store and they can buy fun things like I don't know they can build right up to a trampoline or it can be as simple as a skipping rope or a drinks bottle um, but kind of things that encourage activity so that's really really good product that's I guess brilliant. it's pre-teen because yeah. um, by the time they get to teenagers they kind of have more than 10 friends when your mom and dad have taken up two of those already um, so yeah they, they kind of needs to be in evolution of that I guess for the teenagers could you chuck some running products in there as well please Paula just because I'm I'm such a running geek I'd love to know what you never go running without um okay well I guess the big thing for me is, is my shoes I don't like to to run fair with headphones um but my daughter does so she wants to run with her um airpods pros because she says that they stay in the best when she's running I okay. prefer to be in tune with my surroundings um and for me I guess it would be um at the moment as a parent my apple watch um because i don't like running with my phone i like to be able to escape but i still need to be reachable by my husband and by the kids if they need me um so that does help me i run actually a mix up um i run in the pegasus trail nike pegasus trail i run in the um zoom fly and i run in the zoom tempo next percent now as well so yeah the new shoes that have kind of i guess come in for a bit of flack but i think if it's new technology and it helps particularly as your body's getting older yeah. and it helps to protect that then it's great right okay. <laughs> yes i was gonna go and buy all three of those pairs <laughs> Uh, thank you so much much. for coming on it's been an absolute honor to chat to you we won't keep you any longer but um uh, we're so thrilled that isla's you know where she is in her recovery thank you very much good luck with rumfest we'll see you and bring the kids along to a family's on track there as well i knew she was going to be amazing and she was and what a inspiration i I mean going through that and having to you know having to witness your daughter you know oh I mean I just it, the mind just boggles on how you keep so strong and I, yeah. I, I love that she was so honest with us about you know the differences between her and her husband and how he doesn't necessarily cope with that levels of stress the way that she does and you know she was the one she was the point of contact that was having to kind of make sure that everything was okay you know that everything was kind yeah. of on the surface okay and it's great actually in you know any any parent's worst nightmare but they almost play to each other's strengths yeah. and worked as a team to get mm. through it mm. and I wonder if you know a lot of her mentality like you know where she said you know we had a plan and you know we had to trust the people 
people who are working with us and as mm. long as you were happy with that we could be okay I wonder mm. if that mentality comes from her sporting background because it's almost yeah. like you know you follow a plan to get to this goal yeah. you follow this yeah. plan and that maybe helped her in some mm. way like mm. just know that they had to just knuckle down and get through it I mean you can't you I mean you really can't you might you can't let your mind go to how she to must a place have, like that yeah, yeah to how she must have been feeling like I just it's every parent's worst nightmare yeah and also how amazing you know to to have such positive results back now and they've been through such an incredible 12 months and now to be in a, in a place where you know you know it's looking like it's all going to be all right. It's it's amazing. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. So we're we're so honoured to have her on, and massive thank you to Paula for talking to us the way that she did. And yeah, I I, I feel like me and Paula probably go for a run together sometime. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to happen. We're going to go it? to Runfest, don't we? Runfest, run. Are you? Are you? Because I you've said all the right things on the podcast, but I'm definitely going. You are, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I'll take someone else with me. If anyone listening yeah, wants to come, I mean, yeah. I might go to jog fest jog <laughs> jog fest walk. <laughs> I'm not sure if up for running yet <laughs> blow dry bar I thought that's what you were going to say I'm going to go to blow dry bar and you're going to go to run fest run they've announced their dates as well I think the tickets have gone on sale now so if you are into running that'll be the weekend for you no all jokes aside it does actually sound like a really good weekend and like a great weekend to get all ages involved as well so I, I, you know I am joking I also do enjoy running sometimes yeah we believe you thousands wouldn't George <laughs> okay as always we would absolutely love you to rate, review, subscribe and give the podcast a little follow and please keep sending in your photos of where you're listening to the podcast yeah please do and any suggestions that you've got for the podcast like for topics you'd like us to cover on the Q&A or guests that you might have seen that we haven't heard of or we or, you know we might not have thought of then please just drop us a dm we're on at made by mamas and we'll be back on friday made by mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful charlotte mason insanity group a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.